I just learned the best spell of all. What's that? Sleep. This is Eric Arneson. This is Joey Harrison. And welcome to My Alchemical Bromance, the uh, the best blog um, in the universe. In the universe. Yes. I unfortunately, mean... unfortunately, Matt Anthony is unable to join us today. He's tied up uh, with uh, family commitments. So I thought we just he was decided just... to go ahead and do this. I was kind of thinking he was tied up with ignoring us. He might be. Yeah. He might be. Yeah. He's had enough of this debauchery. Yes, he's decided that uh, my my alchemical bromance is just a pit of uh, despair and hopelessness, and that um, <laughs> and that he'll no. be back next time. <laughs> uh, so it's too bad that he's not here because uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about tonight is the fact that we went to the Festival of the Dark Arts last weekend yeah unfortunately i had to miss that how was it um it was it was fun um there were a lot of lines it was very very busy there were a lot of crowds like we got in uh we probably got there at about three o'clock in the afternoon and it was so crowded that um we didn't really know what was going on at first and then we realized that the minute you stop walking around or you stop moving you're probably at the end of a line. So, oh, right. So it was a lot of standing in lines. Uh, the nice thing about that is that you ended up, it was really hard to get too drunk. Um, but it was also really hard to get to. Uh, <laughs> I don't know when that's ever a nice thing. <laughs> well, I mean, the first time I went to the Festival of Dark Arts, uh, I think I've told you this story before, but uh, I took a uh, the Bruvana beer bus out there and. Um, we drank on the way. The bus got lost, so it took us three hours to get to Astoria. So by the time we got there... Was the driver drinking as well? I hope not, but I would not have been able to tell because by the time we got there, we were all... like Everybody on the bus was totally sloshed. And, nice. Um, so I don't remember my first trip to the Festival of Dark Arts super well. I know I had a good time. I got my tarot cards read. I, you know, There was some exploration and beer tasting and good friends and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but actually one thing I do remember about that is that the beer selection at the first one I went to was not as exciting. Like there were a lot of Imperial stouts and a lot of kind of, uh, unusual stouts or limited release stouts, but, um, probably at least half of them were ones that I'd had before ones that I was familiar with. So this time, most of the stouts were ones that I had never even seen before. Oh, very nice. Cool. Yeah. So, so that was a, that was a nice change, but there were a lot of lines and it's funny, you know, um, I felt like the dark arts part of it was emphasized a little stronger the first time. So the stuff that was kind of counterculture non-beer related you know so they have like a blacksmith and they have like an ice sculptor and they have like tarot card readers and they have performers of various types i felt like the first time i went they were a little bit more emphasized and this time there were not as many of them around oh or, really or if there were it was such a 
they were they were tucked off into corners so much that it was really hard to sort of enjoy them as part of a festival. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Um. So overall, it was just mostly a really really crowded beer festival. So was that uh, was that at the the brewery there, or was it a different venue? Oh yeah, it was at Fort George Brewery in Astoria, Oregon. I guess I should probably should have led with that. That would have been a good thing. To do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they can look it up. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I, just, I didn't know if it was actually at the brewery or if they had it at, a, at an outside venue somewhere, like in a field. Um. So that you well, could get of... naked and roll around in the mud, and it'd be crazy. You know, this wasn't that kind of festival, Joey. <laughs> that's what all festivals are in Oregon. If you if you want them to be, hmm. it was no, it was totally well. The brewery there, um, they kind of have about half a block worth of real estate. So they have their their main uh, sort of restaurant area. They've got the brewery. They have a big upstairs area that they do like pizza stuff in now, and then uh, the brewery building. And then there's like a parking lot area in between. So they have a, they have a good amount of space. Uh, and then they sort of stretched out into the rest of the block. So it was kind of like a block, one block sized brewery. Yeah, that's or right. The festival, second festival. actual brewery area there is pretty good size. Mm-hmm. You know what else they had in uh, Astoria this weekend? The Fisherman's well, Poetry Contest. Yeah. Did you go? I did not. I I went uh, actually went to Seaside Friday, stayed there. Went I went to Ming Minimans. Uh-huh. Had some nice nice beers there. They've got a good location there in Gearheart. And they told I've... me about the poet thing, but I, I I skipped out on it. Yeah. Um. So so what do you think of the Ming Minimans beer? Like, what was your feeling about that? You know, it's they get kind of a bad rap, but I I think it's okay. It's pretty good beer. Yeah, I, I had a, beer is... a really nice coffee stout. Mm-hmm. It was delicious. Um, and what are you drinking right now? What's your beer right now? What what is that? Uh, I'm having the uh, Hop Valley Alphadelic IPA from uh, Eugene, Oregon. 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 That's how you say <laughs> Oregon from Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> well, we call it Oklahoma. <laughs> out here uh, i am currently drinking the uh, survival stout from hopworks i figured since i was going to be talking about a stout beer festival i should drink another stout um and it's delicious that's why you make the big bucks eric because you play yeah. ahead i should yeah, be drinking totally... a stout. well you know i mean what can i say i i um i was there this afternoon and i was like oh crap i gotta go record a podcast i should <laughs> i should buy some stout <laughs> well, I just so happen to be drinking a uh, an Alphadelic IPA stout from <laughs> It's delicious. What do you think about it? Tell tell us a little bit about it. Is it super hoppy? Is it moderately hoppy? Is it Are you drinking it out of a can so you can't smell it perhaps? Yeah, I'm drinking it out of a can like a savage. Uh-huh. But that's okay cuz <laughs> you're in Washington and most Washington people are a little savage. Yeah, that's true. Washington. Washington. I'm on the mountain in Camas at that. Ooh, ooh, hill people. Uh, I don't know. It's got some, uh, some kind of earthy, piney notes to it. It's, it's a, uh, it's, it's really good. It's an easy drink. Uh-huh. It's it's not super hoppy like like a lot of IPAs. So uh, it's kind of like middle middle of the road for IPAs mm-hmm. in my Sounds book anyway. Good. 
the um the survival stout is an interesting stout uh because it apparently has seven different grains in it and coffee so it's Very sort nice. of a super over the top kind of stout but it's got a really nice uh mellow flavor kind of sweet uh kind of roasty a nice thick body um and it's not super boozy either it's only 5.8 percent alcohol oh by yeah. volume that's nice yeah yeah so i really like the stout and in fact i was at hopworks the day they started canning this stout so they'd been making it like it's one of their old staples they'd bottled it and all this sort of stuff but when they started canning it i was actually there that day uh with with nate and we were just hanging out and the owner of hopworks who i i met years and years ago he's like oh eric you're here on the perfect day come downstairs we got something to show you so nate and i went downstairs and we were there when they ran the first survival stout cans through the uh, machine oh very nice it was pretty fun because, you know, they had to, like, get everything calibrated. So there are all these, like, half-full cans that came off first. And so we were just drinking these improperly filled cans of beer and watching the really <laughs> loud machine go. <laughs> That's a pretty cool experience. Yeah, it was pretty fun. When, no, um, when, Matt, when Matt had his brewery, I remember seeing uh-huh. some of the production stuff like that. It was, it was, uh, it was impressive. Did uh, did Matt use did his brewery have a uh, have its own bottling system or did they bring in like a mobile bottler? Uh, you know what he when it, when I was there he had cans I believe uh-huh. he, he did have a bottling system as well yeah okay but uh, they when they kicked up production they had a, a large large scale canning operation going. Mm-hmm. It was an impressive operation. Yeah, I wonder how many barrels they do. I wonder what the size of uh, Anthem Brewing is now. I'm not sure. I, I tried to put it out of my mind. So, <laughs> <laughs> since uh, since Matt's not here, which I don't think we should dwell on too much, uh, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to discuss any of the beers I tried at the Festival of the Dark Arts, but I will include the names of some of them in the show notes. Cool. That sounds like a good plan. So... Uh, when we finished our last podcast, do you remember where we were? Oh, no, I was, I was hammered. You were not hammered. You were not hammered. (laughs) (laughs) I've been drinking like, I've been drinking satanic beers or something. No, well, I mean, possibly, but, uh, but no, you were, it was, it was the first place we went that day. Yeah, I don't remember the name of the brewery. I'm terrible at this. Beer, we were at Beerlick, Beerlick Brewing. I remember Beerlick, we were that's right. sitting in the back room. There's a lot of snow on the ground. Or as I like to call it, Beerlick. It might be Beerlick. <laughs> I suppose we would probably have to look online or something and figure out how it's really pronounced. Um, but you said that you wanted the topic for this podcast to be sex magic yeah i think uh, i think we should hold off on that that's you know? cool because I, I i don't know very much about sex magic so i'm not really sure what we'd talk about i mean i'd be <laughs> like so joey tell me about sex tell me about What's sex it like? <laughs> it's delicious it always magic <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like pizza even when it's bad it's still good yeah yeah <laughs> but <laughs> but does sex magic work that way what do you mean it would be when mean, it's bad, like, it's still kind of good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. 
no, you, because if so, it because if it works, it's like anything, you know, when it if it works and it's uh it's you get the intended result but but you didn't do things correctly and you didn't check to make sure it was okay with the universe through divination, uh-huh. it could be very bad. Yeah. Okay, so it follows the same rules. Follows the same rules, yeah. Um now uh sex magic can be either solo or with a partner, right? Correct. Correct. And if it if it is with a partner, is it important that your partner knows what's going on? It's best, yeah. Of, of course, yeah. Yeah. Um because yeah, cuz cuz you're kind of joining if you're with someone who's, who's like forces. Right. Right. Yeah. You don't want to pull pull one over on somebody. No, that's uh I mean, sometimes you do, but not in that situation. No, no. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I mean, even though I don't know anything about sex magic in particular, and I'm still making you talk about it, even though you said we should wait to talk about it. Yeah. I did I did bring some books. You did? What did you bring? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have two books. One of them is this one. Uh, the Secret History of Western Sexual Mysticism, uh, Sacred Practices and Spiritual Marriage by Arthur Vers Lewis, um, which I have read. Look at all of my little notes here. Oh, I, fancy. I didn't review it very much. I, I don't totally remember what all of it is about. And then this other book that I have not read, uh, Kabbalah and Eros. Oh, interesting. I've never heard of that. Um, it's, it's, a fairly scholarly. So it's one of those books where when it's time to read it, I'm going to have to be like, okay, I'm totally going to sit down. I'm going to read this. It's going to take forever. I'm probably going to fall asleep a lot in the middle of it, but I'm totally going to learn some interesting things that I will forget later. Um, but, uh, but like the sex magic thing, when you, when you guys first brought it up and I was like, oh crap, I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> uh, it does remind me of a lot of stuff. Like there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, so today in, in modern, in the modern mystery tradition culture in the modern, what do we have a word for this in modern? I think they call it bullshit in modern bullshit, in modern bullshit, culture. <laughs> <laughs> um, in modern bullshit culture, uh, like sex magic and like the it's it's viewed as sort of a secret by initiatory groups right so like in the oto sex magic is something that you're taught at like upper levels and and it's always sort of like kept it hushed you know you don't it's uh it's secret it is it is but uh, actually there's there there's almost kind of like this uh new age sex magic movement going on now and actually it's interesting uh, vice news wrote an article about it not yeah. long ago um, what did they say? So it was an interview with uh, with this couple that they basically travel around and do sex magic workshops, um, mm-hmm. and it's very you know um, it's it, it's very it, it it's going to work because just like in chaos magic, which that's basically kind of mm-hmm. what sex magic is. If as long as you, it, it's basically like tricking your mind into. Um, tricking your mind into believing that something has happened and using specific tools um, 
to implant that deep in the subconscious. So you use mm-hmm. this, the, the orgasm, the sexual, um, the sexual function of or the function of sex, I guess you would say to, uh, oh, the, the sexual function of the function of sex. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> to <laughs> fire off a symbol in your subconscious that causes you to, uh, to go after the things that you want. And that it's not going to happen mm-hmm. without taking action on your part and, and actually going out and, and doing something to attain that thing. And, but it, it's a way of just gaining momentum through uh, shooting those symbols into your subconscious mind. Uh, but this, the, the new age workshop I was talking about that vice wrote about, uh-huh. uh, it, it was pretty interesting and talk about your book a little bit there and I'll, uh, I'll look it up. A refresher. Okay. Well, um, I mean, I guess uh, one of the things I, w- I would like to mention is that, you know, while you're talking about sex magic, um, sex has always had a um, pretty big element in mysticism as well. So it's not always sure. used just for like uh, purely magical purposes in terms of like, a, you know, thaumaturgy like a like sigil magic or anything like that or, or that sort of stuff but also in um it's also used in uh in as sort of a mystery in attaining knowledge of like higher states or or like you know godhead and that sort of thing um and you can see it in in various traditions uh one you know what another book which i suspect is way over there uh, in a pile that I'm not going to try to it'll it'll fall over if I try to get the book uh, Eric was killed by a giant book <laughs> book collapse it was horrible I saw the whole thing in front of my eyes on Google Hangouts yeah yeah. I mean I can see it it's a big book it's it's a load bearing book right now though so I'm afraid that if I if I shift it it'll, it'll be bad but it's a book called Why Mrs. Blake Cried um, by uh, Shuchard I can't remember her first name I think it's Mary Shuchard um, but it talks about a uh, Protestant cult that I guess is, I guess we shouldn't call them a cult. They're a church, the Moravian Church, Moravian Church. And um, William Blake was a member of them. And they apparently had these very sexually charged uh, meditations on on Christ that they would do that were, uh, I mean, in her book, like some of them go so far as to imagine the spear wound in Jesus's side as he hangs on the cross as a vagina, which you would then have your way with. And it would be like a method of understanding Jesus as almost like the womb in which the world was grown and born from or, or something of that nature where, uh, where the sexual nature of, of, because there's a there's an element of, of sex and and generation and uh, baby making in the whole creation story, right, right, uh, and you see it even in um, in books. So you know there's like the whole story about how when Mathers first translated the, uh, or maybe it wasn't Mathers, maybe maybe it was von Rosenroth, but you know the when the Zohar was originally translated. Um, 
all of the sexual stuff got taken out of it because people were like, oh, or the, the translator is like, ooh, this isn't this isn't kosher with the church. I got to take this out. Or then when Mathers translates it into English, he's like, oh, crap, you know, Queen Victoria, we're we're all Victorians and sex is like the most terrifying thing we've ever thought about. We got to strip out all the sexy parts and just leave it all boring and filled with like God's sweat and weird space skulls and dread <laughs> dreadlocks and yeah you know that's, that's a good divine point. star lasers yeah <laughs> even in, the, in like the uh in the golden dawn and then also um in the bota during during their rituals they at one point there there's a there's a, a point in their regular group ritual where they uh, you're standing at the altar and you're looking at each other and there's you're doing a thing and it's usually it could be a male and a male or a male and a female but uh they consider it to be a little bit too sexual so instead of yeah. staring at each other in the eyes they uh um remove that from the ritual and you have to look down or look away keep your eyes closed because they, they didn't uh -huh. want that sexual um energy going for whatever reason doesn't make any sense but th there have been others like fraternity of the hidden light who you know some some of that stuff they're they're a newer group so some of that stuff they um uh, they did away with it and they, they require eye contact with um with each other during certain teaching sessions so um just a difference of the time but, i guess mm -hmm. but also like in 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 a group setting like that like in a, in a magical lodge um you know, inviting or igniting those sorts of feelings can actually have uh, very real effects on the politics of the lodge. For sure. Like you end up having, you know, lodge members getting involved with each other and that can cause a lot of friction and stuff. So there, so in that sense, like maybe it's good to limit it or mitigate it or something in that setting. I honestly don't know. I've never been in a I've never been in that sort of situation. Yeah, and it's that's why it's that's why I think with the with Freemasonry, it's it's unfortunate that we don't allow women, but at the same time, I, I see the need for it. It's a very it's a very mm -hmm. level playing field. You know, there's no mm -hmm. nobody has to really nobody has to put on a show necessarily, and yeah, uh, to try to impress someone of the opposite sex or whatever. It's it's just men just men just a bunch of just dicks. a bunch of dicks <laughs> <laughs> old old dicks <laughs> but uh so like uh, going back to the um sexual symbolism in mysticism even in you know the first book of the corpus hermeticum which has uh the the pymander the poimandros which has the creation story part of the creation story involves um uh the universal man or the or the god form of man before before incarnating as little humans running around in in the world uh one of the reasons that man descends into creation is because man sees nature and is like holy shit i gotta get me some of that and falls in love and goes down to basically be nature's lover. He must have, it so, must have been springtime and all of nature was fucking. 
<laughs> the plants are shooting pollen everywhere. The <laughs> and man was like, "Geez, I feel really left yeah, out." It looks like fun. <laughs> He's like, "Dad, I want to go to the rave. <laughs> I'm gonna get some of that." Yeah, which is you know what we're all here doing now. Like we are actually that spirit of man or the man god incarnated as you know billions and billions of fleshy little critters interfacing with nature yeah trapped in matter trapped in matter well i mean in hermeticism you don't look at it as being trapped right in hermeticism it's it's our choice for sure and that's uh yeah i really really came to realize that when um well a month or so ago after after experiencing the spirit molecule and trying <laughs> coming back into reality it was just like i had this overwhelming feeling that this is just this life is amazing i love being alive it's wonderful yeah. i'm gonna suck every bit of juice out. yeah like it's like the the uh the feeling of having experiences um even bad ones well i mean even the bad ones that I've had so far in any case, you know, it's always sort of like, man, it's good to be alive. Like it's good to, it's good to feel, it's good to know, it's good to see all of the stuff. Oh, sure. Even, especially the bad stuff, because when people, when people succeed, they party, when they fail, they ponder. It's the old saying. So when you, when you have these failures, as long as you, as long as you don't look at it, as long as you frame it correctly in your mind, it can be a very, they're, they're the most valuable learning lessons you can have in life. And they really make you appreciate everything that you do have and the things that you you've accomplished. And uh, you can't have the, you can't have the sweet without the bitter or the sweet is never as sweet as without the bitter. Joey, Joey, do me a favor. Have, have a big drink. I'm going to keep rambling on all these little quotes. <laughs> Cheers. Ah, cheers, cheers. So I found this uh, this article I was talking about. With, uh-huh. uh, how to do sex magic according to the shamanic sex coaches. Holy Their crap. Shamanic sex. That sounds really exciting. Yeah, you know, they. Uh, I mean, this is what they do for a living. They They go around and teach people how to do sex magic. Can you um can you send me send me the link in our Google Hangouts chat? Oh, that's a great and I will, idea. That way I can put it in the show notes, right? I, I can even look at it while you're looking at it. I just shot it through the universe. Oh, oh, oh man, the universe loves this. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's it's a brief little article, you know, about uh, I mean these people who teach people how to do sex magic, and it, it's it's not. I would call it like like new age yoga sex shamanism. Uh huh. That sounds pretty fascinating. That's kind of how I um, describe it, but it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty basic stuff. So I feel like uh, I mean I don't know very much about this. I'm just going to mention it so that perhaps. We can maybe you do you know anything about like uh, tantric yoga or like kundalini yoga? Um, you know, not a whole lot. I know that Sting does kundalini yoga, and he like, you know, will have sex for fifteen hours and come twenty or thirty times during that time. 
that's my extent of knowledge yep. with Kundalini Yoga. <laughs> that sounds uh, dehydrated. I know, it sounds miserable. <laughs> it does. It sounds like there'd be a lot of chafing, perhaps. But Sting also hasn't <laughs> aged in 20 or 30 years, so maybe he's got something. Oh, that's, that's true. That's true. I always figured it was the uh, the melange. Like maybe when he was, you know, filming Dune, he... He figured something out. Got some, yeah, some Dune powers. Let me get back to, so this article, this is like the uh -huh. best thing out of this article. The very end, he says, there's a question to the one of the shaman sex coaches. What would you say to people who may question the legitimacy of sex magic? For people who say that it isn't real, I would say, look at the placebo effect, which is well-documented in medicines, medical medication studies. If you get the outcome you wanted, either it really works or you now just believe it works. It's the same. And if it doesn't accomplish your goal right away, be patient. At the very least, you hopefully had a good orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose. <laughs> I think that should be the disclaimer for every class that they have. <laughs> I mean, in, if you really think about it in in terms of, uh, you know, different magical practices, uh, that's kind of like the best, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if it works or not. It, yeah, not exactly. <laughs> that's the best part. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's uh, interesting to note, like, yeah, I've, I've read articles with Steven Tyler, who's, you know, he, he got into Crowley for a while, and he's he, he talked... I believe it might have been in the Rolling Stone about how he, you know, he's used sex magic and experimented with it for for years. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he's he's not as far as I know, he's not a member of any actual occult group like the OTO, but he just he just talks about his general interest in it. Um, mm -hmm. And then who else? Uh, Jimmy Page, who? Oh yeah, he's a big Crowley fan, um, and I guess. I don't know. I guess you could say Crowley is kind of the uh, kind of the father of sex magic, at least in our time. Yeah, I think that would be pretty fair to say. I think that. Um, I mean, my suspicion again. You know, I'm no I'm no expert in the subject, but uh, my suspicion is that most people who get introduced to it are introduced through Crowley. I would imagine so, for sure. And that, which is actually that's how he became. Uh, the, the head of the OTO because he discovered the secret of sex magic and published published it in his book of lies. Um, oh, right. And then the, the OTO guys actually came to him and was like, how did you get our secrets? That's our ninth degree secret. Exactly. Curly's like, well, you know. You're like, yeah, oh, uh, well, I got to take the order now. It's you. It's yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all you. You you got you to gotta take care of it. Now ravage my bottom. <laughs> <laughs> Curly, Curly was awesome. He, he liked to uh, he liked to have people ravage the bottom. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he's not alone in that. There are a lot of people who enjoy a bit of bottom ravaging now and again. Maybe, maybe Curly was the, uh, fact, the father of modern day bottom ravaging. <laughs> I. <laughs> I really suspect that that's not the case. I think that there were a lot of bottom ravagers around in the time. Yeah, that's and, true. Uh, yeah, yeah. Crowley just uh, attributed a new, you know, 
meaning to it. It was magic. It was magical. Bottom <laughs> magical bottom <laughs> bottom ravaging. The new magic. <laughs> uh, so some other some other stuff about uh, sort of like sexuality and mysticism. Um, I had you know I showed you the uh, Kabbalah and Eros book. Here. Right. I'll show it to you again. Isn't that a nice shade of blue? It's beautiful. It makes yeah. me uh, makes me feel really relaxed. <laughs> it's called postcoital blue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, there's a lot of so so Judaism and especially uh, mystical Judaism is way more comfortable with sex than Christianity is. So, uh, which I find really curious because you know Christianity is is prudish to say the least and uh and you know like puritan views on sex have have you know poisoned our entire culture on 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 sexual ideas and stuff i am really bad at talking about this which is why i'm having a difficult time starting this particular do you have some issues subject issues with sex eric (laughs) <laughs> I I was raised in America and uh, by a Midwestern family, and so yes, totally. I have issues about sex. Doesn't everybody have issues? I think about everybody sex? does. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Every, every um, word that was ever fought was probably because of some sexual imbalance. Everything that was created came from, you know, it's just the rules <laughs> are life. Oh yeah, it's totally a mess, isn't it? It's a it's a mess. It's because we're. <laughs> because men are a bunch of dicks it's true <laughs> uh, but uh what i was gonna say is is uh in kabbalah apparently there are and i suspect a lot of it is talked about in this book that i yes yes and i'll have another so <laughs> man now i want to get to the bottom of my beer hold on let me <laughs> finish this beer maybe it'll you 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 talk about something for a second joey i'm, I'm you're bottoming <laughs> well you know um I was talking about all of nature fucking earlier and how that relates to sex magic somehow. I remember um, years and years ago in Oklahoma, back when I was in Oklahoma doing, doing my landscaping gig, um, I I really got in tune with nature, you know, um, almost like a, like a, a weird native American thing, but I could tell the second that springtime was hitting that green man of spring, you know, that, that sexual energy that just, well, if, if you ever, if you ever do mushroom tea, you will feel the hum of nature. And it's, it's that hum that comes out in spring. And I would, I would feel it in some incomprehensible way. I could just, I knew it was coming. And then maybe three to five days later, I would see tree, tree buds popping or plants just starting to show sap flowing um mm-hmm. and then you know the pollen would start shooting out and all of nature would just start fucking everywhere <laughs> and flowers would start blooming you know you get weird birds doing strange sex dances and parking lots at other birds and it was <laughs> fascinating to watch and that was i don't know is it it's, it's just a big eye opener it's springtime now this podcast might is probably going to be up so uh you know pay attention to nature because you're going to see a lot of weird shit out there <laughs> oh man and if you're if you're in oregon or in another place that has uh 
uh, conifers or evergreen trees, th- they are they are extremely public about their sexual yeah, activity. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, they like it's there are places in Oregon where you will get clouds of pollen, like just big yellow clouds of pollen coming off of these trees, just giant tree orgies <laughs> all across the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Oh, and it's even more perverted because uh, a lot of um, evergreen trees, a lot of conifers are male on the top half of them and female. Holy on the bottom crap. Half. He just blew my mind. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's weird. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pay attention. I mean, that's why that's why you get to see all the pine cones. You know, they're all getting pollinated on the bottom half of the tree. So, like, I suspect so like the top half is yeah. pollinating the bottom half. It's, like, just... Yeah, they they wait for the wind, right? So they're trying to pollinate their neighbor, but I bet you they pollinate oh, themselves sure. plenty. There's a lot, you know. There's just one yeah. lonely tree out there in the middle of a field that somebody put there, and he's just like, "Oh well, I guess I'll just do this myself." <laughs> they. I don't even know. Even we he, have a word it's for they. That. <laughs> it's they. <laughs> I don't even know if we have a word for for self incest in the English language. Uh, I think they just call it, yeah, who knows? I don't know. Good question. I'm sure there's a scientific term. Let's just call it, let's call it uh, Douglasing after the Douglas. (laughs) (laughs) Sold. All right, cool. We invented a new word here on My Alchemical Brothers. Stop sneaking those long showers, boy. I know you're in there Douglasing yourself. (laughs) (laughs) It ain't right. So, um, all right. Have, have you ever used sex magic? Uh, I don't really. No, not really. Not in any sort of serious or. Uh, no, I don't think I really have. It's not been part of my docket. But it's something you can use uh, with someone else or by yourself. It's, and you know, we we covered yeah. that at that uh, in the podcast, but Bear Lick Brewing with uh, Kenneth Grant's kind of uh talk at disinfo the disinfo conference with mm-hmm. charging a talisman or a, or a sigil as he calls it um oh you're talking about that's not kenneth kenneth grant that's um uh shit the guy who wrote the invisibles uh, yeah grant morrison grant morrison grant morrison yeah, yes, yes, kenneth yes. grant i'm getting all i'm getting all my sex magic people mixed up <laughs> <laughs> All the sex talk has Joey a little addled. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just got a text message. I'm going to see if it's Matt Anthony. All right. Where are you, Matt Anthony? Where in the world like, is oh, Matt Anthony? Or as I like to call him, Manthony. Manthony. Nope, it wasn't him. He's still ignoring Sad us. Sad day. Oh, by the way. <laughs> by the way. I, I, I know you by and Matt. Uh, yeah. Debt of gratitude because I've been uh, deep in Twin Peaks. Just finished the first season. Oh, are you ready? So the next, so the new season is coming out like at the oh, end God, of Oh, God, really? Jesus. That's going to yeah. be, a, I don't think uh, I can be ready by then. I've got like 16 seasons to go there. through. <laughs> You're, there's only two seasons, luckily. What do you mean? You're just going to. Of the first Twin Peaks, there's only two seasons. Oh, I thought it was like several years. I didn't know it was two seasons. 
Well, two seasons is two years. Wow. Okay. Nice. Yeah. I'll be ready. Then. Yeah. So you can do it. You could totally do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that one of the things we're going to have to do is figure out how to watch it because I don't have cable. Do you have cable? Uh, is it going to be on cable or is it just going to be on Netflix? I think it's going to be on Showtime or or something of that nature. It's on some uh, I have, like premium. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't have Showtime, but I can real quick if it's going to be on one of those premium channels for sure i've got hbo let's let's consult the uh, oracle well, we need to <laughs> the oracle all right so while you're doing that i'm going to get back to the kabbalah and sex magic stuff that i was going to mention before you keep consulting the oracle um so there's two things first of all one of my kabbalah teachers told me that there are certain schools of like classical kabbalah, kabbalah. like 15th century 16th century stuff you're breaking and breaking up on me were... a little bit there. I'm not breaking up with you, Joey. We're we're together forever. <laughs> together forever. Every alchemist ends up with a surfeit of Solomonic gold. But have you made sure that your precious alchemical creations can follow you to the next life? The transmigrational investment experts at the Gnomes of Zurich can provide the expertise to make sure that your hard-earned fortunes are available to you no matter the afterlife of your long repose. To start investing wisely, enclose one troy ounce of Solomonic gold with six ounces of fresh manure in a mason jar and seal it under the sign of Mercury. Bury the jar in your backyard during a full moon, and our subterranean account specialists will contact you during the next lunar return. Get started investing in tomorrow, today. The Gnomes of Zurich, putting the riches of the cosmos to work for you. So... <coughs> Uh, we've we've actually been recording for almost forty five minutes now, so we can. Uh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to tell you one more thing. Then maybe two. Two. Maybe. Make it three. Okay, three more things. First thing. Ah, <laughs> uh, first thing. My Kabbalah teacher. I've started this story like three times. I suspect a lot of it's going to get edited out because it's all in the mess where we were losing. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I didn't hear you. Uh, well, uh, so supposedly there are a bunch of uh, uh, Kabbalah meditations that were taught in the 15th and 16th centuries where you were basically told you don't, you're not doing the meditation right if you're not sexually aroused while you're in the middle of it oh wow that's hardcore <laughs> it is and it, it it's sort of a it sort of ties back to the idea that uh that creation itself like the idea of just creation is sexual you know and and in in uh, judaism or in a monotheistic religion that's weird because it's like god making god pregnant and god basically what what were we going to call that Douglasing, yeah, God basically Douglases himself and gives birth to creation. Uh, right. So I just told a really cool story for the third time. I'm not going to tell it again. You'll, you're just going to wait until we edit this episode of the podcast. <laughs> um, and what was the other? Thing? It's probably showing up great on your side, though. Oh yeah, since you're recording. Yeah, I mean, 
every time you're talking about uh, being cut out, it actually sounds just fine on my end. So that's cool. Okay. Good. The third thing. Just cut me out. About... Okay. Cut, cut my <laughs> cut my uh, my whale. <laughs> the second and or third thing I wanted to mention is um, in the new translation of uh, Abramelin, Abramelin, the Book of Abramelin. You know this one. Nice. Right? You know about it? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So this is where that quote, inflame thyself with prayer, comes from. You know that quote? No, no, no. That, that Alistair Crowley made that quote. No, no, no. That. Alistair Crowley said that, quoting it from uh, the Mathers Alistair translation. Yeah, yeah. From a, a Bramelin. Or Abramelin. I don't know how people actually usually say this. Uh, I'm going to say Abramelin. And then I'll always face off and say, I mean, Abramelin. Joey, are your kids kids watching a lot of porn right now? Probably. Yeah. It's awful quiet upstairs. (laughs) But they're home? No, there's, there's only one here. Ah. And I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a dedicated Wi-Fi connection. Ah. Um, cut them off of it this week. So I believe. <laughs> uh, anyhow, so in Abramelin, uh, that inflame thyself with prayer quote, I believe, comes from uh, chapter 13 in the new version. I, I don't know if that's uh, absolutely true. I'll look up. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up again. But when you read it, you kind of get the impression again, like, oh, inflame thyself with prayer. That's actually like a sexual reference it's a yeah reference to um sexual arousal almost so the the idea of so so sex magic is definitely firmly rooted in in mysticism as well oh yeah for sure trying to get to i got deeply entrenched in mysticism in my teen years in the backwoods of logan county and i was inflaming myself in prayer Constantly. <laughs> it's um, delightful. <laughs> well, I mean, I have to say, you know, uh, you know, earlier when I like, I don't know that I've necessarily like practiced sex magic on purpose, but but mysticism that involved like that sort of imagery is always present. Like, I definitely know that when I was, uh, you know, the first formal training I had was for. Um, that kind of neo shamanism stuff that is a little hokey but right. super effective, uh, and that stuff led to a lot of, you know, being inflamed with prayer for sure. Like it's yeah, yeah, uh, and 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 part of it is just you know when you're first introduced to uh, magical imagery or the ability to create magical images in your head, and you're a teenage kid, what else are you going to use it for? Oh, for sure. Right. And when you, when you really start training your imagination, like, it's fantastic. I, I would recommend all teenagers train yeah. their imagination. Train your imagination. It, you know, <laughs> now, nowadays, it's, 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 it, we're in a bad state of affairs, America. We oh, yeah. Kid, got kids looking at porn on their phones and on their iPads and all that. They're not imagining any of it. <laughs> yeah take a night off every once in a while don't even use your phone at all <laughs> no just imagine it in your brain it'll be so much better 
<laughs> yes, yes, America, we're teaching you sex magic as we speak. <laughs> uh, gross. I feel like we're gonna. I feel like we're gonna lose our one follower over this episode. We have ten. We have ten right now. Do we really? Nice. Yeah, yeah, and I suspect a lot of them will get really excited about uh about us talking about um sex magic. <laughs> I think so. Who, who I, isn't excited about that? But I also feel like we. We got out of this sex magic episode pretty easily by um, by me not knowing anything, right? So it was just you. Yeah, and I, and I didn't really. I just kind of spun a lot of bullshit. I don't really know anything either. Cool. Well, <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should have the, that sort of disclaimer at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> yeah, I made it all up. We're we're kind of idiots, <laughs> but we're really good at talking on the computer and. Totally, we're drinking beer. <laughs> we like to drink beer, talk on the computer about things that we pretend we know about. <laughs> so <laughs> no, um, I don't know. That's it, it, any of these subjects you look at. It, it takes years and years of study, and um, at the end of it, even after years and years of study, you feel like you don't know anything. Well, Always have beginner's mind. Yeah, yeah, and actually, that's a really important way to look at it. Is to you know, it's always better in any subject, it, even if you're even if you're practicing this stuff. Like it's so much better to assume that you're an idiot. You know, sure. to assume that you don't know what the hell is going on because it's the only way to really learn stuff. If you feel like you already know everything, then you're not going to pick up any new stuff. That's true. Um, Beginner's mind, as Dogen called it. Yeah, and I feel like you know, right now we are still kind of in the beginning stages of the podcast and. Uh, and Matt and I talked about this early on, and I think you were there too, where where I was of the opinion that we should talk about sort of the various broad categories in uh, in modern occultism so that our audience could know what what we were good at, right? Like, if we're idiots at stuff, they should probably know that. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, a, I'm, totally, I'm totally cool with admitting that I'm an idiot. Yeah, me too. I'll, I'll uh, take off mantle. It's fine. <laughs> Joey, we are we are both idiots in all sorts of ways that are totally different, um, <laughs> which is cool. <laughs> like for instance, at least I'm not drinking my goddamn beer out of a can. I know that's ridiculous, isn't it? I'm, like, I, I'm totally unprepared for this podcast. I showed up and like didn't even have my microphone hooked up, drinking yeah. beer out of a can like a savage. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you're, yeah, you, your microphone is hooked up. You were technically your your technology was ready, except for the beer drinking technology, which makes me think. You know what we should do? We should have my alchemical bromance pint glasses. Oh damn! You cut out there. What? My alchemical bromance. What? What? Pint glasses. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> with that with that symbol on them. Yeah, yeah. I love it. All right. Yeah, me too. Um, Let's do this. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Thank you for listening to My Alchemical Bromance. You can find us on the web at myalchemicalbromance.com. And you can subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Podcast Addict or anything of that nature. Tune in next time. And that's it. Bye. Good night.
Yeah, I'm the person. Yeah, I'm the person.